I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? I just hit record. Okay, fuck it. I'm still going to talk about it. I honestly feel like uh, when I was a kid watching Spider-Man, like when he's Peter Parker and his shirt is off, Mm. I feel like he didn't have any nipples. I mean, I can look it up real quick. We're going to have to find out. (laughs) Because if Wario is the only one without nipples, that's a problem. But if removing the nipple is a standard of, you know, comic book and animation... Maybe it's right. It's all normal. Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll do some research, but in the meantime, we're live. Also, do I don't thing. have nipples, so it's not that weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't? Wait, you you have none at all, or you have? No, I was born without them. Oh wow. Yeah, it's weird. That is. Weird. I look just like Wario. <laughs> I'm really happy that people are going to hear this conversation and have no idea what's happening. <laughs> yeah, we're coming in. We're, we're already in at a, at a Wario <laughs> reference. No one's going to get that. I'm sure we're not going to mention it. I mean, someone might catch on. I'll flip the camera over <laughs> real quick and we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Guys and gals, uh, hanging out tonight with us is Dylan Bell. Is that the last name? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I was telling you, uh, these are some of my most favorite episodes when I just truly don't know the guest because the questions I have, uh, a lot of times I'll ask you questions and tonight I'll do the same that I already know the answers to, but I just want to share some insight. But in this case, I just have no fucking clue, man. <laughs> so it's easy to not try to figure it out. Um, it's a good sign though when you, uh, you know, like this, when DJ doesn't know very much about somebody, but has heard enough to think that you would be a good guest on the show. It means you don't have the reputation for being an asshole, at least. I'll take it. And you got a good uh, pants and hat combination, so we got that going. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? Ha- are we back? Did I get back to Wario too soon? No, my brain is just all over the place. It's It's been a very uh, busy week, and I have a very busy... So my head has just been spinning. You were on vacation, though, yes? I just got back from vacation, and uh, PIA and then CPS Open House are back-to-back for, for LMB. And we're also opening some new U.S. operations, and all of it is just spinning out of. It's all in control, but it's just a lot in my mind. So my brain is just spinning. You need a vent? We'll help with the vent. No, no. I think I'll be okay. All right, great. I think I'll be okay. I yelled at Ivy earlier today, so that's Ooh. good. She's in trouble. Like, did you did you lose your temper? Oh no, we neither one of us were in that. We worked from home today. So I worked from home. I had to make this computer. So you were in this room by yourself yelling at Ivy? No, I wasn't yelling at anybody. I was kidding. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) I I just was imagining you in a room of silence just cursing Ivy's name. No, dude. Actually, uh, she has been impressive. I knew she had a good work ethic. Um, I knew she was smart, but she's caught on and her initiative is much uh, more than I anticipated. and And I had pretty good expectations. I'm not the least bit surprised. Yeah, I I am and I'm not. So, super good. Did you get to know Ivy much? No, not really. Man, a great girl. She's been packing for 10 years of her life. Uh, That's all she's ever known and had a kid and is worried about her future. So, she's working with us at LMB, just uh, doing some other work, other business and and crushing it, man. She's a smart young lady. So, if you uh, ever are sponsored by LMB, you're probably talking to Ivy. And if you're mean to her, you're rude to her, you talk back to her, Nick's going to punch you right in the nose. If I can reach, 
If you can reach. I might bring the step stool. Then the dick. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing we had to buy at LMV was a step stool for Ivy to reach the top shelf. That's uh, really funny. <laughs> no joke at all. Nice. So Dylan, you are a skydiver. Yeah. You're an instructor. Uh-huh. You are a full-time jumper. Yes. How long? Uh, full-time jumping, about three and a half years. And when did you start jumping? 2011, I believe. And where was that at? Skydown Skydiving in Caldwell, Idaho. I've never heard of any of those places. Okay, so Caldwell is like 30 minutes west of Boise. Okay. And it's a really small Cessna 182 drop zone. All right, what, what, what are you doing there? Is that where you're from? Is Yeah, so uh, I grew up in the Boise area. And when I found out that you could skydive by yourself, I called them up because they were the closest place to my parents and found out they were like three miles away. And I just kind of dabbled in jumping there and then kind of got the bug a few years into jumping and started packing for him. So I packed my way through to instructing. I want to back up. You said jump by yourself. Yeah. So you didn't start doing tandems? No. So what's a static line progression? Static line progression. So what's that like? Uh, The second and the third one were scarier, I'd say, than the first because you get uh, line twist quite commonly with those. But I didn't know any different. So you'll, you'll have to forgive me because I honestly know very little about static line. Yeah. Is there something that's different from the first jump to the second jump? Like, do you take free fall? What you, like- no. So, so you go through a ground school just like you would in AFF or STP, mm-hmm. but you focus a little more on canopy, I would say. And then you get out of the plane at about 3,000 feet with the plane attached to your deployment bag. Right. And as you exit, typically the D-bag spins, so you get a bunch of line twist. And although I had been told that would happen, I didn't really think much about it. And so I got line twist on the first one, and then the, oh, and then the second and the third yeah, okay. time, I'm like, what am I going to... I know I'm going to have line twist. Why am I back in this airplane? <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, but after three of those, I was cleared for solos or not solos but like no more static lines we went up to like nine or ten thousand feet clearing poles too yeah yeah and so the the clearing poles or or whatever we did in that case was no more line twist which kept me going i think (laughs) that's funny man uh i didn't know that static line and line twist had such a close relationship yeah so there's a, a few different static lines. One is also a static line on a pin, and you have a spring-loaded main. Um, so now you get separation from the plane a little bit more. The spring-loaded pilot chute does tend to hesitate, dance, uh, and not do its job as well. You've seen that in subterminal I've air. I've seen that in person yeah, a number of times. on my yeah. back. Um, and uh, so that's a little bit uh, sketchy sometimes, but not really that much line twist with that type of static line. So I think you're talking about direct bag? Yep. So... And that makes sense to you. Yeah. You're handsome. Well, thank you. God, it's nice. <laughs> that vacation did you well. Dude, I slept so fucking much. <laughs> I I slept five plus hours a day besides a normal full night's sleep. I ate food and I slept. That is all I did for What's five a, days. Uh, just to keep sidetracked on your vacation, what was the best thing you ate on vacation? Uh... <sighs> Well, I had lobster one night, had uh, filet another night, had just everything, dude. Fuck yeah! All right, no, I, I eat like a I eat like a boss on vacation. I enjoy my life, so I uh, I work a lot. So Valerie and I 
enjoy our lives. Hell yeah. So, Amen. Man. Cruise Kay. cruise ship, you've been on them. They they feed you good. You didn't you don't do carnival though, right? That's the that's no. the poor man's cruise line. You're above <laughs> that all that shit. We use uh I do we're not, man. Royal's not exactly tons more expensive, but uh we do uh some of the specialty restaurants for different nights. It was our, our anniversary. So for my wife and I, it's our 15th wedding anniversary. Nice. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Congratulations. So, yeah. She's lived with me now for 20 years and married me for 15 of them. God bless her. God bless her. That's impressive. Way to go, Val. Maybe one day we'll get her on the show to talk about. Nope. Never <laughs> happened, man. People have asked me and people have, have given me a little bit of grief. Nothing bad. And it's like, yo, dude, it's nothing. I, I would happily have her on the show. You know her. You know she'll never be here. So. I think she'd do really well. I'm not surprised by anyone who thinks that uh, her attitude, how she is around most people, she opens up a whole lot when you uh, get her talking about something she cares about, especially. Yeah. She. Uh, do you know Valerie? Have you met her? Uh, we just met, yeah, yeah, but I don't know her at all. No. Have you seen her around the DZ much? A little bit. Yeah. A lot of people I've, I've heard find my wife intimidating. Um, she's an extreme introvert. She doesn't want to uh, waste or take away your time. She doesn't want to. She, she feels like she's imposing. So she just sits there and waits for people to approach or deal with her because she's just a wallflower and an introvert. And uh, people find that pretty intimidating, apparently. And yeah, I, can I, see I that. yeah, I hear it a lot. I'm like, oh, no, you do go talk to her. She's super engaging, sweetest lady in the world. She married me. She's got to be a sweetheart. <laughs> Has to be, man. <laughs> so you started jumping in Boise. You went through Static Line. How long did it take you to get your license? Four days. Oh, dude, you were gung-ho. Yeah. You were hungry. Yeah. I like it, man. And then you said you dabbled. What does that mean? Uh, well, so I was working in the oil field the first year I was jumping. And so I had plenty of money to spend and 10 days off a month to go and jump. And so I did about 75, 85 jumps and then... I quit the oil fields and went back to school. And when I did that, I decided that it would probably be a good thing to just focus on school. And so I put jumping on pause for about two years. Uh, so I'd say that's kind of what I mean by dabbling. Uh, it wasn't really like I have to be out there every weekend or anything like that. Uh, did you continue jumping through that, though? I didn't, no. Not uh, at all? No. Okay. And so the I I went to school and then I was kind of getting itched to jump about two years in, and a friend of mine had a wedding coming up, so we went and did his bachelor party, and all the money left over, I was going to get back into jumping, and I ended up breaking my foot right then. So all that money went to hospital bills. Uh, How'd you break your foot? Just doing something dumb. Not jumping off of Yeah, jumping off something I shouldn't have, a lot closer to the ground, and so I... Got all the medical stuff taken care of and paid off all those bills. And then the day I was cleared for full pressure, I actually went back to the drop zone. And a good friend who I'd met outside the drop zone was instructing there. And he got me my recurrency kind of going. And and I kind of, I'd say I got the bug right around then. Okay. As far as the bug being like I wanted to jump all the time every day. So... I want what what brought you back to skydiving in the first place, and then what is what is it that took you over the edge? What is the bug? Uh, I think just being in kind of a high speed environment and the adrenaline obviously was a big thing, um, and 
I always kind of appreciated being in the airplane. Um, our pilot was kind of like old and bold. So he would do big old loop-de-loops and stuff like that <laughs> with us, right? And so just the atmosphere and then the adrenaline and the, the speed of the environment, I think, kind of drove me back into it. Man, it's uh, something, we, it it's, depends on the drop zone you're at. There's drop zones that you'll never see a zero G in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't blame any of those drop zones. Uh, the stress that can easily be put on an aircraft doing those improperly can be a big deal. Done properly, they're no big deal at all. And I understand where an aircraft owner will tell their pilots, I don't want you doing that with my airplane. Um, I, I, I've seen instances of pilots overstress aircrafts and the aircraft is okay and everybody lands okay, but the, the wear and tear that goes through maintenance is, is pretty extreme. Um, but God damn, they're fun. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember the first time you were on an airplane and a pilot did something crazy like that? (laughs) Uh, I I think so. Um, I remember mine really. Vi- I was certain I was dying. I was hundred yeah. percent sure. <laughs> so to hear you say "I think so" makes me seem maybe not. Um, he did it a lot. So are we talking like zero G stuff, or is he a well, little more acrobatic? Com- a little more acrobatic than that. Um, what, what what kind of airplane? Yeah, one eighty two. Okay. Um, and I mean, he could get it to go in a full like loop, and he could also <laughs> barrel roll it. I'm pretty sure. Um, but he would, he would do this thing where he would open the door and at that drop zone, you didn't spot and you didn't really look before you got out. He would whistle or the door would come open and you would go. And he yeah, would, he, I like yeah, the whistle. Dude. Yeah. He was going to bring that well, back. So we had a Cessna 402, which isn't a jump plane. Um, but he had converted it into it and it's uh it's got a low tail and it runs at about 120 knots oh wow so you slow down when you get out of the airplane but he would whistle when he was running that because he didn't have access to the door and that was kind of your cue to slam the thing open and (laughs) and get out of it but um he would do this thing where he would open up the cessna door and tell you to put your feet on the step and tell you to try and get out and he would keep you locked into that position uh, the entire time, so you couldn't really get out of the airplane unless he wanted you to. But when he wanted you to, you didn't wait. You didn't have a choice either. No, I was showing Nick what a four hundred two looked like. Yeah, is it a pretty small door? Uh, it's been a long time, but it, it in comparison to a, even a caravan, I would say the difference is like a, going from an otter to a caravan, but uh-huh. like caravan to the four hundred two. Okay. Um, I I don't think you could get more than two people out there, and I don't think you'd want to anyway because I think it might stall. But <laughs> I didn't ask why he didn't want more than that. Stacked Are you, in the you basically door. getting out of the co-pilot door? No, there were he converted the it's tail a, end. Okay, so it was located similar to a caravan or an okay. Otter. That makes more sense with a stall then. Yeah. Man, it's uh, that is a low tell. Like I'm yeah. picturing where the door was. Uh huh. Oh man, that's uh. That's 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 nerve wracking. Yeah, it makes sense why it's not really a jump plane. Yeah. So you you got the bug. You started. You said packing until you became an instructor. Yeah. Uh, how many jumps did you have when you started packing? About seventy five. And now this is your full time job. Yeah. What happened to school? I uh, got tossed on the burners. I guess. <laughs> okay. Okay. And what were you going to school for? For physics. Okay. I mean, we're still in physics. So yeah. we're still play- I'm like, I'm using my degree, Dad. Come yeah, on. right. <laughs> this is why I trained. Um, so you decided <laughs> to, to start packing, and, and you said how many jumps? 80? Yeah, okay. right around there. 
what, how long did it take you to get to the next step? So I hit 500 jumps the season after that one. So I did about 350, 400 jumps that season while I was packing and then got back to the drop zone the next year and they had enough tandem instructors. So they wanted me to pack again. And I had committed to packing for them. So I continued. I did about 50 jumps, I think, that summer. And I was miserable. Um, everyone everyone was that was there for that kind of was like, okay, don't, don't get in Dylan's way, probably. You know, uh, he's not in the best mood ever. But um, I was happy with myself for completing that season, doing what I said I'd do. And got offered an opportunity to go to Florida and see skydive city um so i pulled a friend's trailer over because he didn't have a truck and when i got to skydive city hall of fame was going on so there were four planes running all day and red bull was there swooping and and um jumpers over 70 doing big ways and i remember still waking up in my tent to high performance canopies coming in. And before that, I thought like maybe you'd see one or two high performances a day. Um, and so seeing like a trail of high performance canopies coming in just blew my mind. And I guess that was kind of when I realized that skydiving isn't just a little 182 out in the mountains kind of operation. And I kind of started to understand how much bigger it could be. If done the right way, I guess. It's uh it's amazing how many ways it can be done. It's uh I understand when you say the right way, you do, you don't mean there's a right way, but no. it, it's a uh, it's when done for that purpose. And and there's man the pros and cons of it all. But man, what an amazing world! Now you're a kid looking around. You're in Disney World. Yeah, and you set roots there. Uh, I did. So I, I kind of made it a goal to get my ratings there. Okay. Um, I had a, a couple of other friends that had said that there was a place there you could get any rating you wanted, essentially, and that the training was really good. And so I went back to Idaho and went back to work um, doing masonry, which is kind of where I started as a trade. And I worked for about six months and then moved back out to Florida and started doing masonry there until I could land a packing job and then started packing for Shelly, um, who runs kind of the drop zone mat there. And while I was packing for the drop zone, I was going to the ratings and, and getting those through Brom Clement. Um, and then kind of just lucked out when it was when I got my rating a couple of weeks later I I put my resume into Skydive City and they didn't really have any openings but a lot of people had kind of left the job or like they were kind of on to newer things at that time so a lot of space opened up for new instructors at, at that point um, and they came to me while I was on the mat and said hey you just landed a job since someone else just left it so Man, I think there's a real moral to that. I, I want to get back to some of the other things you said, but if you want to work full-time at a DZ, a specific given DZ, you just hang out there long enough <laughs> because you hang out there long enough, somebody's going to fuck up and they're going to need you one day and then suddenly you have a job. It's, I mean, the truth of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Be dedicated, be there, work, be available, and uh, just keep grinding. 
I, I want to go backwards a bit now because you said something that kind of shocked me. Uh, don't get in Dylan's way. I wasn't in the best mood. I was grumpy. I would have never yeah. guessed you were that way. So were you a, an asshole of a packer? Uh, I don't think I was an asshole of a packer. Um, I think I think I just wasn't an, as inclined to to joke around and and uh, have as great of a time because I'd kind of been told one thing I felt like, and then it didn't turn into that thing. It was something else. And I coming from masonry, it's pretty common if you're a good. They call it a hot tender, but it's basically like the mason's bitch. He gets everything okay. for the mason. He sets up all the uh, the scaffold that that you do, um, makes the concrete. Basically, you name it, and and they do it. And if you're good at that, they don't promote you to masonry. They they just keep you in that position. And I had already kind of gone through that a lot as um, a, a worker in that field, and I didn't really think that it could be that way. And then it was. So it was. I I wasn't mean i wouldn't say but you were going out on fun jumps no longer held its appeal either in a, in a way because i was trying to get to 500 jumps so i could get my instructor rating and then i i did and it was like well now i'm i spent the last summer broke you know because i had been spending basically every pack job or all that money on jumping and so that next season was a good opportunity to pay some money back into bills and and all that but um i just didn't really see the need to go out on a fun jump every single chance I got and that sort of thing. So people would be like, Hey, do you want to jump? And I'm no, no, thanks. You know, uh, I've got parachutes to pack type of thing. And what brought that, that passion back for you? Uh, I think, I think seeing Z Hills was kind of one of them and just getting off of like getting out of the, the drop zone that I was at. Not that it was a bad drop zone. It just, the environment there for me, wasn't the same anymore because, it kind of had some like negative feelings because I didn't get to that instructor rating like I had thought I was going to. Um, and I'm nowadays I like I'm good with the drop zone and everything, but at the time I think it it was just uh, it was a lot. You know, it was like kind of having flashbacks of that career in masonry where it was like, okay, you're good at this, but now you're stuck in it. Man, I love hearing this and. I do because I think of so many times in 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 my career in skydiving, I've seen the young guy, the young gal come through and for whatever reason not get along or, or not be somebody whose path you want to cross. Um, and situationally, you don't always know what they're going through and you never know what they're going to be like. Because back to it, I would have never guessed you were unhappy or unsettled with what you were doing because I watch how content you seem to be. Yeah. I, again, I don't know you well. I <laughs> We spoke more in this session than the entire time you've been at Spaceland, mainly because yeah. I'm never there. Um, but it, it's you seem very content and happy. And and if you're an instructor, you're a jumper, you're somebody out there, and you see somebody not in that mood, don't hold it against them. One one of my favorite things about Steve Boyd and Skydive Spaceland is second chances. The number of people who exist in the Spaceland hierarchy uh, who were given a second chance, and and I don't know this for certain but i'll bet money nick lot is on that list i know i am 100 percent. i know i am um are you 
You know, I don't think I've fully uh, exhausted my first chance yet. Yeah. I mean, I've made some mistakes. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I've made some big mistakes. But uh, I, I don't feel like I've had to uh, to cash in that second chance yeah. chip just yet. Yeah, there's so many uh, people. And you just never know. People give them the opportunity to grow and learn from it, to get through it. And I love what you said. And this is back, I think, to the earlier conversation. So correct me if I'm remembering wrong. Uh-huh. But you felt proud of, you felt accomplished. You, when you got through that season, it meant more to you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would have been really easy at the beginning of the season to just be like, well, I've hit 500 jumps and I have the qualifications to become an instructor. I can just go somewhere else and get my license right now. But it would have left a lot of my friends kind of in limbo land. They wouldn't have had a packer, not one that they could trust. Um, and, And by that, I mean, like they hadn't necessarily worked with them right so um can i ask if you're meeting friends as in fun jumpers that you were packing for or people at the uh, drops on that you were working instructors with? mainly that okay. i was packing for uh so there was maybe four of us that were all like super close you know we ate together lived together went Exchange to work girlfriends. together you know <laughs> <laughs> no there's uh not very many jumpers that are girls in in idaho <laughs> or at least at the time i didn't really realize how many women were in the sport even um but yeah we were you know we were comrades and we we went through a lot together and so if i had left at the beginning of the season they would have kind of been short-handed and and the person that knew the math the best wouldn't have been there so while they're up in the air trying to do their job who's on the ground you know like trying to make sure they can come back down and not have to pack for themselves and do everything else i guess um man that i think that's a big reflection in your character and just that you're a good person i i can agree with anytime someone has the that thought of you know because i said so and that's why i'm doing it it's a really hard thing for me to not stand behind because that's what a person with a high level of integrity would do but it saddens me because it's going to make it harder to make you stay here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's impossible right now because I already said I'd be back at SNE, but you are driving it really hard. Or it's I, uh, making it I, I, I haven't even tried yet. So, <laughs> so I came to Spaceland in October 20, 2005. Okay. Um, I was working in Indiana. I was working full time. We worked eight months a year and four months a year. I did whatever, wasting my brain with whatever drugs we were entertaining at that point. Um, great, great time. But I was like, yo, man, uh, the DZO was like, hey, we rented a plane from Spaceland. Hey, Spaceland wants a multi-rated person. At that time, if you did tandems, that's all you did. If you did shot video, that's all you did. If you did STP or AFF, that's all you did. People who were multi-rated didn't do multiple things. Um, and Steve wanted to hire a couple people who would do that. Me and a good buddy of mine, Dennis, uh, both showed up at, at the same time to do this. And, uh, it's a very different place now, but like, yeah, man, but yeah, let's go someplace for the winter so I can actually make money instead of waste money. Yeah, this sounds like a good idea. And it was two weeks into me being here and Steve Sr. said, Hey, come to my office. Great. And actually it was a page, a DJ go to big Steve's office. <laughs> like, Sounds great. Fuck, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that was always the page to Big Steve's office. And it's like, oh, man. Uh, I walk in. I'm like, I'm the new guy. What did I do, man? I feel like I've been pretty good right now. Hey, I want you to stay. I'm like, what do you mean? 
Uh, you're here for the winter, right? Yeah, but I want you to stay next summer. I want you to just stay the whole time. I'm like, well, I appreciate that, but I'm here for the winter. I already told my old DZ I'd be back next uh, summer. It's, it's just what I'm going to do. Well, Paul, I'm like, well, okay, so I got this girl back in Indiana, and I'm going back in part because of her. But my goal is to be here this winter, scout out the place, see if I like it or not, go back for the summer, come back next winter, full time from there. Good deal. We're done. Now let's talk about this summer. Um, and literally said it that quick. I'm like, okay. And uh, said and done, it worked out. Yeah. Uh, he offered my wife a job. She doesn't work in the skydiving industry, but fortunately, um, he knew a director in a position that was hiring for a job she was looking at, coincidentally. Okay. He's like, what she do? She does this. Oh, uh, I know a person who's hiring it. Is it for this? Yeah. What? It was really a huge yeah. coincidence. Uh, the dude got her the interview. She has a master's degree in what it is, so she got the job pretty easily. Um, so we moved down here right away. Okay. So the door's still open. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Are you considering coming back? Uh, I definitely am. I'm also... So I'm a firm believer in going different places just to learn, yeah. right? And so I saw this a lot in masonry, and I keep going back to that because it's it's so easy to just find a career and then find a place to do that career and do it the same way all day, every day. And my uh, being from Idaho, it gets cold and you can't really work during the winter. So my dad and I would always go and travel. And I learned how to do things 10 different ways because of that. And so anytime I'd get on to a different crew, it was really easy to kind of learn the way that they did things because I already had a few different ways to do it. Um, and it also came in really handy sometimes when there wasn't another way to do something. And so I'm kind of approaching skydiving in the same way as far as going to different places to learn different things uh different ways to do things right so uh will i come back to spaceland if you guys will have me i'm sure that's gonna happen but i can't make any promises well as then to the answer is no we be. will never have you back again. <laughs> you can leave my house now um so i would uh i, I agree with what you're saying there and, and i like that approach but i would encourage you to consider a different mindset at some point uh -huh. and then there's a time and a place yeah uh, you know, if I really want to master something, getting that focus, learning that focus place and something that's great about Spaceland, Skydive Arizona, mm -hmm. other drop zones in the South that are open year round is we have such a transient state. We have people like you who come for the winter to visit us. We have people who come from other directions in, in the, in the uh, summer to, to like our, our staff is seasonal rotational. So we see so many great influences. Um, I've been with the drop zone since 05, Nick, not much after that. And how much evolution have we seen in what we teach and what we do? It's, it's tremendous. So going to a place like this, like a Paris, like an Arizona, but specifically like Spaceland, go ahead. It's, uh, it, you'll get that chance to get that diversity. You're seasoned enough. You're vetted enough that you have enough diversity that if you can just sit in a place where you can really refine and culture what you're doing and get a place where you can get to mastery, I think uh, I think you would serve well in a place. I would love to see it be Spaceland, but I think if you could take that mindset because of all this you've done already, I think you could find a place to stew that and make that stew good. Absolutely, so. uh, that's a really great, valid point for sure. I I like it. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> and that time and place, man. I'm not, I don't know yeah. what it is. Uh, all I know is you look like a freaking Mario Kart. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wario Kart. Wario. <laughs> so I, I don't think we got to how many jumps you have now. Uh, right around 3,700, I'd say. Okay, cool. And what ratings do you have? Uh, AFF, Tandem, Coach. Did, have you got to utilize the Coach rating in the sense of you know why it exists in USPA's eyes? Uh, I mean, being a Tandem instructor... I, th- I think that's part of it. Um, I haven't used the coach rating very much. I used it when I first got my rating. And then um, I feel like when when um, I got my AFF rating, it was kind of like you're going to do a cat A through D, maybe C and E here and there, and then you go back to A through D. And that was about, uh, about it for AFF. And I, I wouldn't necessarily... Um, say that the coach jumps aren't like, I don't think that you need a AFFI to do coach jumps, but I do think, especially after seeing the STP program here, that the students benefit a little more from having that extra, um, set of knowledge, I guess that, uh, an instructor would bring to the table. The extra experience, the seasoning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, they are the ones that can touch the students and and like help them if they need it whereas a coach you know isn't even really allowed to so it's a silly conversation people say that there's arguments i see it online everybody on facebook is an expert so that's where i go for my knowledge uh people argue about an instructor or a coach should have pulled for that person or a coach should have tried to help that person and in the regulations and the in descriptions of the jobs, not regulations, uh, actually in some regulations as well, there's only so many things a coach can do. Uh, and in their training, they're supposed to act certain ways. And there have been court cases where the 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 defendant, the coach, has been accused of doing the activity we all want to do. We all want to save that person. Right. Whether you have the skill set or not, we want to save our friends. It's not even to be a hero. It's to like, God, I don't want to see somebody fucking die. Um, and they hold that against them in a court of law. It's, it's utter crap. Um, I get it, but it is. Do you think it's worth explaining the difference between a coach and an AFF instructor for anyone that's listening that, that may not get it? Uh, you do it. You seem to have, <laughs> you, you're doing a great job of describing uh, stuff, man. I'd love to hear what your, your statement is. I, I mean, I think that, well, at least what I was referring to is when you go through the coach course, you're, you're technically not allowed to do like a spin stop or a rollover or deploy for the student. And you're kind of there as just like a post, maybe uh, like someone to approach and dock or. Your, your role as a coach is a safety valve and an observation platform that just coach examiner words coming out. Safety uh, valve, if they don't break off, you wave at them. If they still don't break off, you leave. Yeah. Safety valve, if they're going to dock hard, get out of their way. Prevent, avoid collisions. Uh, keep them in uh, space as much as you can. Uh, keep a break off happening. Safety valve, uh, observation platform, when you land, hey, you need to do this better. This is what you did or didn't do. Um, the ability to remember watching and replay to them what they did. Um, I think... Partially, it's looking at level AFF is traditional skydiving one through eight-ish, basic survival skills. Right. This is where you learn to eat, walk, crawl. Uh, Coach jumps are eight and above. This is group free fall skills. How do you dock on somebody? How do you track away from somebody? Um, How do you approach a group? 
those are really the is that what you were looking for yeah just that the, the jumps between being cleared for uh self-supervision and having a skydiving license yeah. the, the, those are those jumps a lot of schools are like spaceland now skydive chicago who we emulated um the, it's we got a lot of our information from roger nelson uh it's uh we we go straight from aff to coach there is no break in between but traditionally static line and aff uh, you go through your student jumps, then you do a couple solos. And I actually love those couple solos. As an examiner, I promote them. Uh, those couple solos for me are empowering. They are some of our most memorable skydives. I remember my first solo, the first time I was in the air all by myself. Um, it was my 13th jump. It's like, dude, that is a powerful memory of, of that random group of jumps. I remember that one. And it's because of the empowerment I had. I got scared. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have anybody watching me. I, didn't, I mean, I at that point, I'd done some two ways because you can do two ways at that point with your friends. You weren't supposed to, but that's what we did. Um, man, I was so nervous, and I got in the sky, and I'm like, I'm all right, man. Yeah, I'm doing this shit. <laughs> Look at me, dude. Fuck yeah. This is cool, you know? Um, it was very empowering. So I, I like those. And then you do the group free fall uh, training jumps or coach jumps. It's, it's traditional USPA uh uh, school. So, so we got you. You're a tandem instructor. You're yeah. an AFF instructor. Uh, did you ever have an interest in shooting video? I don't. I know that you don't uh, shoot video I for us. I do. Now. I haven't really honed in any of those skills yet. I just kind of got a, a helmet set up to where I could potentially do that. But um, I still need a couple pieces of that little puzzle, and then all the skills because they're, you know. Totally different than any other flying, Man, it seems like. It's it, someone with tandem experience. I'm like, hey, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what you, you know right yeah, now. You know, know what you don't want going. that dude to do, you know? <laughs> like, you know uh, what a good teammate and a bad teammate looks like yeah. from the tandem instructor's perspective. And you know what it means to chase a thing and fly close and be in your slot relative to another person. Yeah. Now all you've got to do is think about your slot being in a different spot. Yeah. And uh, you get to focus more on having fun. Yeah, uh, it sounds great. I think um, I'm definitely excited for that aspect of skydiving for myself. I'm also terrified because I've been trained so hard to keep them away from the drogue. And so every time I leave the plane, I'm like, well, I'm I'm really far away from your drogue, but I'm also really far away from your, (laughs) you know, your student's face. So sorry, the video isn't very good. (laughs) We have a lot of people that that, uh, do exits really differently, that Uh that stay really close from leaving from the rear, leaving from the front float. But uh, yeah, I agree. That drogue is not a not an awesome <laughs> place. The scariest place. To be, so on the back of all of the space land tandem rigs, they're all numbered. On the reserve yeah. flap, there's a number. And oh boy, if you've just left the airplane and you see that number, <laughs> <laughs> you are in the bad place. Yeah, I'm sure. You know who was good with tight exits? Who's that? Eric Boyd. Yeah? I have left a plane on a tandem. And I mean, I have my drogue set two seconds out the door. Uh, look to check back my drogue and then turn to my camera guy. And as I'm trying to turn, I can't move. I, I can't, I'm like, it's, I can't. And I look over my shoulder and he's holding my foot. I'm like, <laughs> mother, what are you doing this close to me right now? And I wasn't uh, incredulous about it. I was amazed because at this point I'd done hundreds of jumps with Eric. He was just tight as shit on exits. Uh, Rob Pooley was probably the next best. Rob Pooley would leave in a front float position and he put his hand out right up to your student, 
And as y'all leave, that contact is what he would leave against, and he would never leave that distance for the first two or three seconds and transition it through the hill. It's an unbelievable flyer. Super impressive. Yeah, it really was. Um, you know, we all make mistakes, but he could fly the shit out of an exit. So Nice. Yeah, we, we got a few people flying pretty tight exits. Greg does a great job. Gr- Chris Brewer does an excellent job of staying in front of the tandem, regardless of what sort of exit they get, of uh, you know uh, having a faster fall rate on his back uh, as they leave the airplane than the, yeah. than the tandem pair does. Who else? Uh, Aaron Anandita. She's she's doing some pretty uh, good exits. Uh, she's a driven lady. She's awesome. <laughs> she's man. She is. She's a badass. She's just a badass yep. woman. Agreed, hundred percent. So I uh, say all that. Hey, you're in a pretty good spot to get plenty of advice if you decide to stick around. <laughs> so something Nick said earlier, and I like yellow hats. <laughs> I like it. Uh, something wow. Nick said earlier was you. Uh, uh, the, the description you gave, you talked about why I stayed there, my dedication to the people, to my friends, to my commitment, et cetera. Yeah. Um, it said a lot of who you are, um, but also with, he's not shocked. This is what we've seen of you. And to me, that's exactly it. It's You're one of the very few guests that I don't know anything about. And that it's commonly somebody like you as a suggestion from one of these knuckleheads. Uh-huh. Uh, Nick and I were talking about AFF instructors or STP instructors, and your name came up just in that list. And after your name came up and, and I had brought it up, I'm like, hey, by the way, what do you think I have in him on the show? And it, it was right away. And the reason I wanted you on was that passion, that compassion. I've watched you. You first caught my attention. I, I've told you this uh, landing. You, it was a little bit bumpy. It was a little windy. Uh, at Spaceland, we really want to train our students. You can check your altitude, you can pull, and you can land. You can do those three things. You can survive a skydive. It's that easy. Come back and learn, man. Come back and check it out. Be part of this fucking crazy, wonderful circus we're in. Uh, and I get it. Instructors won't always land with their students' hands in the toggles on some of those bumpier, windier days. It can be challenging, and, and I'll, I'll never really attacker or, or think less of an instructor who takes her students hands out of a toggle because I was not under canopy with them and I don't know the situation but when I see somebody fly through some of that diversity or adversity with her students hands in the toggles and do it well that's what caught my attention one day from you uh I watched you walk that student in I'm like man I gotta watch this guy <laughs> and uh I, I told you I'll, I'll share with people I don't watch people that much if you're a jackass and I don't like what you do and how you do it, trust me, I'm not watching your every move because I don't like it. So I just like, I'm not going to be bothered by watching it, man. So people, I, I actually take a watch or focus on people who catch my interest because I'm impressed. From there, I watched a AFF student, an STP student walk into the packing room and be a bit lost. But man, not too far behind him was his instructor, was you. And at this point, I still didn't know your name yet. I, I think yeah. I knew it. At this point, I'm like, is that, is it Dil, Dylan? Is that what his name is? And the packer, the packer's like, yeah, yeah, that's his name. I'm like, okay, thank you. Uh, you walked in, you helped him out, you helped him with a smile. This guy had several issues bringing canopies in. He was a bit of a mess, but I mean, he was very polite about it. How many people have quit skydiving? Because they hated bringing the tangled, messy parachute in, and a packer bit their head off because their instructor <laughs> won't help to show them how to bring a parachute in. Bringing a parachute is part of skydiving. Yeah. So, how many people quit? And I saw that passion you had and how you treated that student. And I, and I watched several other things in between your debriefs, your briefs. Um, you really share your passion of the sport with your students. 
what drives you? How does how does that work for you after three years? I mean, the first year maybe, the third year it's impressive. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't want to be on the tail end of that if you know, like I don't like getting screamed at or, or yelled at. So I guess I kind of can be empathetic in that regard. And uh, I've also maybe it's it's seeing students that don't know things and understanding that it's not their fault and maybe seeing like, you know, some instructor here or there, wherever, uh, that didn't go through that extra step. So then it's wasting, I mean, the instructor's time and the students and plenty of other people's time as well. And, and I guess time is just, it's a really important part of our sport. And, um, so the quicker you can get that student to do what you need them to do, then the quicker everyone else is going to be able to keep doing their job and the student's going to progress. So just seems like the right thing to do, I guess. I, uh, I might not get the answer um, I'm going for in this next question. And if I don't, I'll still go that way. I think, (laughs) uh, there's so much to the word skydiving kind of stepping away from the conversation for a second, what is the part that you absolutely cherish and love and appreciate the most about skydiving? I think it's the views. Okay. Uh, being up in the sky, you you get to see things that you typically wouldn't any other place. So um, that's a that's a big one for me. And then the, the people and the atmosphere around it are pretty incredible as well. So I'd say those two things will keep me coming back, at least for now. Man, everybody says the community at some point or the other. Mm -hmm. And that's what we share. You know, you you don't share a skydive with a student. You share the entire experience beginning to end. Um, It makes them part of the community. When a student brings in a rig that is a mess and the Packers see you helping them, people actually laugh together where it could have been tension at, at minimum, nervous tension of the or nerves of the student. Just I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean, or uh, angry packer or whatever it could be. But now we have three people joking, laughing, having a good time, to where it could have been something else. Those are the people who seem to keep coming back to our sport. Those are the people who seem to keep coming back and becoming packers, becoming an instructor. And man, I hope anybody who uh, sees that can realize that. Man, I really. I said to you earlier, but hats off, man. A lot of respect for the way you treat your students. Thank you. You seem like a pretty positive and respectful person. Shut up. Just from the outside. <laughs> but we've already talked about, uh, man, you've been that burnout packer on the packing floor. Yeah. So what what advice can you give to a challenged new skydiver or anybody about uh, just etiquette about how to interact with a packer? Let, let's just DJ's... Uh, student who came in with the the messy gear who uh had to had to dump that news on somebody like you how do you do that well when you've when you've messed up uh i i'm having a hard time understanding the question like uh, so if i have to approach a burned out packer yeah and i'm a new skydiver with a okay. shitty parachute yeah like uh how, how can that person do a good job with that interaction i would say just don't take yourself so too seriously and and ask questions um i don't know that joking around with them right out the gate is gonna help but um i i don't know i think asking questions is typically gonna be your best bet because every mat's a little different and everyone on the mat and so if you 
you know, are wondering where to drop your stuff or, you know, why you drop it and there's some heavy size or something after, just ask because they're typically going to give you an answer. Um, And then if they're approaching it in a, you know, upset manner or something, just kind of like DJ said earlier, like you don't know what they're going through. So take it with a grain of salt, learn what you can, and then try to do better next time, I guess. I uh, spend probably way too much time on the packing mat when I'm on the DZ and I'm between coaching or nothing's going on. Instructors don't stop moving. Pilots, loaders, everybody doesn't stop moving except packers. They're stuck in one place and I torture the shit out of them, man. It's wonderful. (laughs) Um, I I watch packers who are grumpy, who aren't grumpy, who are whatever. But one thing I've watched is I've watched people react to a grumpy crabby packer who gave a snide answer and say thank you and that's all they said and they walked away and sometimes i hear the thank you very uh snide but i I, they just say thank you and walk away and it commonly disarms them it disarms the packer the packer sounds like oh wow okay and the next interaction is lighter the next interaction is better so even if he's an asshole just say thank you he probably needed to hear those simple words yeah that is great advice um i actually Something that I do typically with my students is when I'm teaching them how to take off their parachute and drop it on the floor for the Packers, I will make a joke, but it's it's kind of true as well. But I always tell them to look behind them when they are walking back and stretching out their lines, because if they don't, then a Packer is probably going to get run over. <laughs> and it happens all the time. And I've definitely been there in the packing sense. And I've also been there as a, an instructor trying to throw his rig down and you know, stretch it out nicely for them. And before I know it, I'm on my ass because I tripped over one of them. And I can't imagine spending your day like that. And luckily I've had the experience, so I don't have to imagine it, but, um, they get overlooked a lot. So, um, you know, watch behind you as you're doing that. If you were going to make a video instructing someone how to pick up their gear. How long do you think that video would be? Probably like nine and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say maybe two or three experienced instructors. So good luck. We uh, made this this project uh, over the last couple of weeks. I had some help from Alex, some help from, from Carlos. Just a little but, bit from me, mostly Carlos. <laughs> I did the stunts. So <laughs> just to get off on a tangent, uh, the Video begins with collapsing the canopy, right? And uh, we were using a 190, not a small parachute. Carlos doesn't have a ton of experience kiting, and we didn't have the windiest day. Yeah. My goal to get the shot, because I, I always want options. I always want different angles, whatever. The guy so, he's taking the pictures for complains about everything they give him. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> but uh, Carlos couldn't kite the canopy because... I really just don't think it was windy enough the day that yeah, we were trying. And so there was a day that Alex was out there, and it was 25 miles an hour of wind, pretty steady. And so Alex just started kiting the canopy, and uh, man, he did a really great job of being a student that was getting drug uh, across the ground on his face. <laughs> Dude, it was so much fun. <laughs> you weren't even pretending. Well, I just I kind of got into it because I did. It was so strange being in that situation and knowing the right thing to do, like. How to shut the canopy down and not get dragged because we have that so trained into us. I'm sure yeah. you've had that conversation with students multiple times. Like, hey, you just landed. It's windy. This is how you don't get dragged. Yeah. Um. So it was so strange being in that situation and 
intentionally doing the wrong thing. <laughs> but man, it like once I just surrendered to it and let it happen, like it was fun, dude. Like I was getting dragged all over the landing area. I'm sure Nick will be able to show you the clips eventually. Yeah, I, I have it on I can send it to you on drop on Dropbox right now if you want to have a good time just just showing footage. But I was surprised it's almost a five minute video of just how to how to pick up your gear. Yeah. And it's you know I struggle to know when the best time to show this video is. I feel like it's like after a dive flow one is probably the best point because there's a, if I'm that person's instructor, man, I want them to spend that five minutes thinking about the jump and not about uh, the difference between a keeper and a steering line and a whatever, you know? Yeah. And once they've actually had the hands-on experience of picking up the gear and they're starting to know some of the parts and they're starting to feel the, the part that's a little more challenging, I feel like it's a... Post dive flow one, maybe pre dive flow two, pre dive flow three type type of video. But uh, man, I could have talked for a lot longer about it, and it's crazy. Uh, you know, you, you hear a frustrated instructor, frustrated packer about man, you can't just like why are you bringing in such a messy parachute? Man, it's kind of complicated, especially when you <laughs> when you get to picking apart these few little words and key phrases about exactly how you're trying to tell somebody to do it. But, uh, man, I appreciate anybody who will stop and have that conversation with a student, follow that person in. Uh, man, I think that that uh, says a lot about somebody when they, because it doesn't really benefit you as the instructor. Uh, maybe if you're the packer, it, uh, it gives them a little bit neater parachute. I've, but I think it's just the etiquette of, of making good skydivers. I want to hear this. I, I beg to differ in, in just one little aspect is, Please. is like it goes back to the time thing. And especially like Spaceland offers a, a package in a week, right? Like your A license in a week. And so every minute they're out in the field and every minute that that packer has to work to get that 170 back or whatever the case is uh, becomes important. And, and, here at Spaceland, we have, you know, a lot of rigs for the students and we've got packers and, and everything. But if you go to a drop zone that doesn't have all that and they just have two or three rigs and maybe one packer and five or six students, then in order to get all those students in the air, then that rig needs to be back as timely as possible. And it needs to have like zero mess ups in it. Um, and so... I, I think that it is important and it, it saves saves my students time, which saves me time. And it also, you know, it doesn't, for me, it's not so much the money, but if I want to make five jumps in a day, then with STP or something like that, then I need to give like every little thing needs to be happening really well. Otherwise, if one little thing messes up, then I'm down to four. And if it happens again, I'm down to three and then pretty soon my students only done, you know, two jumps or three jumps and they've driven an hour or two maybe to get there. So it's it's not a huge thing by any means, but it could no, it, make the difference between a, a so jump or not. It's a, it's a really good point, and I totally agree <laughs> with that point. And the only uh, reason that I'm speaking up to argue with you about it is I bet that you would t teach that same person that same lesson, whether you were jumping with them or whether somebody else is, that you're also going to help save somebody else that time. Yeah, And I think that's what's that's the difference. That's yeah, absolutely true. I, uh, you, there's no arguing that point, no doubt. I would say... Those five jumps turn into two jumps, and those two jumps turn into a not very productive two jumps, and that person only does that once or twice, maybe three times, and ends up with six to eight jumps and quits skydiving. Or they make five jumps with super good flow, super good energy, always feeling in a good positive learning place, getting more trust and value built from you just in the dropping off rig process, 
And then that five jumps turns into five jumps again, turns into five jumps again, and you've doubled your money. Right. Right. I mean, let's be real. Whether you are counting the money or not, you still got to make a living. Absolutely. Uh, and if you're not counting the money, you should probably do some math because there's not a lot of it, dude. <laughs> re- really, like even a tandem instructor can count this. High. Maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, I I definitely uh, see your point, Nick, and yeah. I agree with you as far as the productivity of an instructor and the trust and confidence of a student. I I see how your students behave to you, but I don't think it's because you just teach them to bring the parachute in. I think that's just part of who you are. So um, I want to just one second, you've mentioned where you've gone to uh, get your rating from. You were in Z Hills. Mm-hmm. Brom Clement owns Skydive Ratings. Um, uh, one of the best. He is the godfather at what we do. Um, he really is a modern full-time rating schools. There was none of them. He was the first one in the mid-90s. Um, he started being an examiner before I started skydiving. He started his rating school before I started skydiving. I since became a peer to him and retired and he is still doing it. The dude is a fucking machine, man. Yeah. He is. Uh, so if you can't come to the rating center, uh, where you might be able to see Dylan as your evaluator or maybe, uh, Rosie Booker, <clears throat> uh, you know, Rosie, she's a good cunt. She's a good <laughs> God, I love her. I miss her. I haven't seen her in a long time. Uh, the rating center might be growing soon, maybe. Well, I won't tell anyone. Uh, I, I definitely I won't. won't announce it on a podcast. No, I wouldn't, man. I, <laughs> I, I did ask her today. We had a very positive conversation, and she's going to be training with us and moving forward to becoming an examiner. And uh, her and I both have a lot of hope for uh, her future with the rating center. Beautiful. I think she's the right fit, man. Uh, but if you ever did want to do any evaluation jumps, uh, just play with it and toy with it. Just uh, A, we can always use help with some evaluations. And we're always more keen on letting people do those jumps who are truly interested in the process. And we'll use anybody. But uh, if you're interested in the process, we'll always prioritize people like you because, I mean, that's what it's about, right? Yeah. So let Fudala, Hank, whoever those other people are, Pedro, Aaron for tandem stuff, if, if you're ever interested. Cool. I appreciate yeah. that. Have you done any front rides? Uh, about 60, 70 of See, them. you're yeah. stupid, dude. <laughs> I know. I'm so stupid. <laughs> so how many uh, front rides have you had before you got your tandem rating? Probably 50, 55 of them. I pulled my first pin on a on a front ride before I was an instructor. Um, I didn't have to throw the drogue, but I was pretty close a couple times. Okay. So you have a lot of front rides before you got your rating. Yeah. I uh, You have to go on the front of a tandem. Uh-huh. In the course, that was my first tandem. Yeah. I, I'd okay. never been on a tandem until I actually was getting my rating. Okay. So that was, I mean, how many how many jumps did you have when you made your first tandem? 75. So it, 100. How weird did it? So, like, so for me, it feels super weird. <laughs> Fuck that. It feels, I've never done a four-way with a tandem pair of an airplane either. So, um, okay. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I, it, with 700 jumps, walking to a plane with just a tandem harness was the weirdest fucking feeling. Yeah. How, same? Yeah. Um, I almost got out of an airplane once with a tandem harness on. Um, just a tandem harness. The door was stuck and it was a bunch of new people. So I, you know, gladly walked over and undid it. And then I checked my hacky before I got out and got pretty sick and sat down because I realized I didn't have a rig on. Oh, man. Right? Wow. Probably not super great to be saying on this. No, no, man. Yeah, it was sickening. Um, I love that you own it. So, yeah, I made a decision then, like, if you're in that front 
rider position, then that's what you're doing, right? You're not helping people in the plane or anything. That's up to the instructors that are actually wearing rigs or whatever the case. Unless you're hooked up to that yeah, instructor. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, my God, dude. I've uh, been in a uh, – Steve Boyd at some point took the Otter to Austin. This is before we had wind tunnels here in Houston and took all the STP instructors, and we did tunnel time together and – uh, spin stop training, rollover training in the tunnel. He paid for all of it. It was wonderful. And we were flying in the Otter on the way back, and I was laying like feet to the tail, facing uh, head forward, and my iPad was resting just in front of the door against the fuselage. So I'm laying facing the door. We're, what, a grand, two grand, whatever. We're cruising across the ground from Austin to here at, and the door poof, sucks out of that fucking plane. Yeah, that's about... <laughs> everybody made so much fun of me including me because they're like dude you were in the middle of the plane faster than anything we've ever yeah. seen I'm, I'm like fuck yeah I just shit myself bro <laughs> holy fuck I couldn't imagine like that so that's the closest I've been yeah I was trying to go the other way you were ready to go out yeah yeah I'm glad to hear you were second by it <laughs> maybe it's a good time to make a PSA about closing an otter door on descent because <laughs> we've lost a couple otter doors that uh, if the forward speed is fast enough, uh, I, I don't know what the magical part of the equation is that causes the pressure that sucks the door out. But, uh, yeah, don't do that. If you're riding down in the otter, leave the door open. If you're going to close the door, make sure that you've told the pilot that you're closing the door so that they know to adjust their uh, descent rate and their forward speed to not suck out the door and lose a lovely person like DJ. <laughs> I mean, I literally touching the door like it wasn't a reach. It was like elbow away. Touch the door. And <laughs> Dude, I like that was one of those moments in life that you will never fucking forget. Like yeah. it was it was scary. But you tried to jump out. At least I'm not that dumb. <laughs> Man, holy shit. Man, at least you did those handle checks. You had yeah. the good habits built yeah. up ahead of time it so really, you could at least catch it yourself. It does save, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And who, who's man. this candidate of yours who's letting no you clue. get up and away from him? <laughs> yeah, not real. attached, didn't grab you back, say, hey, where the fuck are you going? Yeah, without a parachute? Yeah. Man, I should have felled him. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I have somewhere around 700 front rides. Jeez. Wow, yeah, man, that's, that's a lot. Well, it, that, so... In the average world, I have a shitload, and then you have people like Brom and Jay Stokes, who probably have Brazilians uh, front rides. Yeah. Um, I know Jay is a few thousand uh, by this point, Man. and I'm sure Brom is right there with him. Um, it's said and done. It, I did not want to do front rides. Um, I did my first one. I never did them again. I became an examiner. You have to do front rides. Um and not even to become an examiner, I didn't have that many front rides because the policies were much different. Um, but I was convinced do like 50 front rides before you have other, you as an examiner, you don't have to do the front rides. You can fly in the safety slot. You can let people go and you can fly like an AFF person. Uh, but let the first 50 do them. So you understand the experience. I'm like, okay, okay. Now that I've done them, dude, pff, I can keep you stable from the front better than you can keep you stable from the back. <laughs> I have all the fucking air. I guarantee I have candidates who were unstable as shit, and I'm the only reason the drogue was into the wind when they threw it. Um, I have never had to throw the drogue from the front, but I had to reach for it once, and the guy said, I saw you reach, and I said, fuck, I yeah. better beat him. I'm like, you have one <laughs> more hiccup, and you're done, but good save because you're right. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that caught your attention, and you had the wherewithal. Um, man, you can do everything from the front. Super easy. So it, it scared me a lot less. Um, 
And, and but still, man, every time I went to the door, dude, do you ever feel like somebody's gonna disconnect you in free fall or somebody's gonna disconnect you in the door? Do you ever get that feeling? Uh, usually when they loosen up the laterals, yeah. Uh, drop filling no not even then moving to the door i just have this innate fear somebody's out there to murder me and they just hired this <laughs> midget with tattoos next to me to hook me up in a plane and disconnect me in the door and shut me the fuck up um and that that irrational fear would pass in a glimpse like it was like that's stupid yeah. um but no matter what when we moved to the door i always stayed loaded on the hooks to where if they were going to unhook i could feel it it, it, it was <laughs> such a fucking weird like I, I have all those little weird things that I would pay attention to to know. You know, it's funny you bring it up because I've done a couple of front rides since getting my license as well. Like not nearly the amount that like examiners do, but I do remember having those feelings. Like as we're approaching the airplane, of like, man, this person could just let me go if they wanted to. Like, I, <laughs> I think crazy. the last one I did actually was when I was dressed as a girl with with <laughs> you. That, doing that was the best. <laughs> Best possible uh, company I could have had under canopy. <laughs> so, uh, you, do you know you know this? No, I don't know. I okay, know well, uh, this was Alex's first submission to the film festival. Uh, he was a, a bit of a love story between a character he was playing named Amber, 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 Amber yeah. and uh, Carlos. <laughs> and so he came in with his wig on and this sexy fucking walk. It's really funny. And uh, yeah, it's like the. Carlos sees this sexy girl walking in who's Alex and uh, goes and tells Manifest, oh, you got to put me with this girl, yada, yada, yada. And I was the tandem instructor for the video. And Alex stayed in character the entire time. <laughs> I'm not going to drop Blonde her. wig? Uh, red wig. Red wig? Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. I can show you the video later if you want. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dude, it was fun. I uh, What did I say? Yeah, you know our pond from above yeah. uh, above Spaceland? I looked at it and I remember saying like, oh, you guys have a pool. <laughs> and I was just saying like the dumbest shit it I was, could. It was so great and so fitting. It was awesome. <laughs> Man, it was, it was a really good time. I could uh, just imagine Alex's propensity to stay in character the entire time. I didn't plan on it either, but I just found myself under canopy. I'm like, well, no cameras are rolling, but I'm not dropping character. (laughs) This is totally a side conversation. Have you seen the uh, documentary about when Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman for the movie Man on the Moon? No, I haven't seen it. I think as someone who... uh, <laughs> your love for st- staying in character, yeah. man. Jim Carrey lived the shit for months on, yeah. the, on the set of this movie. You would enjoy this one. I'll have to look into Did it. it mess sure. with his head a little bit. Yeah, I, I think I I watched that. Yeah, as that's well. that's part yeah. of the opening scene. Is like he talks about like being unsure who he was. Yeah, anymore. well, like is he is he Jim? Is he Andy? <laughs> but uh, man, great movie. Great, uh, great. Sounds like I've got some work to do. I got to become Amber <laughs> <laughs> for real for months. <laughs> man, no, I couldn't imagine that. So, uh, skydiving. <laughs> yeah, true. We, we have a different Amber in our lives now, so it's, it's completely different. Don't worry about it. Oh, this is not So, back to skydiving immediately. Moving on. So, skydiving goals for you. Like, uh, where, where does this take you? Where does it go? Do you want to travel? Do you want to stay? You want to, uh, become a coach and organizer? What is it? Uh, I think. I, I want to keep traveling with it for sure. And I'd eventually like to get into an examiner position, I guess, uh, or at least I think that's where it's going for me. I'm in the planes a lot and I'm always next to new instructors and they're always asking questions. And sometimes I'm like, should I even say this right now? Because legally, I don't think that's my job. And so, 
I I think Examiner would definitely be in my future, and uh, I also and then, wanna... and then when people ask questions, you can say "fuck you, pay me." <laughs> yeah, right. Business plan. I'll have to learn that one. Um, <laughs> I think, um, yeah. I mean, Examiner would be great. Uh, so w- I want to stop for one second. Yeah. Why Examiner? What do you think you would enjoy about being an Examiner? Says a cynical old retired man. Yeah, <laughs> um, who also needs to hire more examiners. Uh, I think <laughs> I think it's just I still remember it's not that long ago that I was a new instructor. I still consider myself a very new instructor, and having those role models to be able to ask uh, helped a ton. I remember the first. It wasn't, I wouldn't say a hard landing, but I had a tandem landing where I started flaring at like 20 feet and just had nothing. And Brom was sitting at the Z Hills packing mat and I didn't know him very well at the time. And he was the only one that saw it and him being an examiner, it was like, oh my God, should I ask him why my landing wasn't this way? And I asked him and he told me. Uh, at least what he thought had happened. And that little bit of information has saved my ass like countless times since then. Um, and so I think just having those role models to go to is really important, especially in our field. And I think I would do well at being approachable. Um, and I think that's sometimes what newer instructors need is just someone that they can go to and say, hey, uh, do you have any information that I could use because this just happened? So. To quote Family Feud, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I know absolutely sold on your answer, not not even being silly. Uh, giving back exponentially is kind of what it, it became to me. Yeah, I can only train so many AFF students today. Yeah. I, I was, I, and I think this really hit me the most when this instance happened. But I was sitting in the loading area doing a tandem. At this point, I was a uh, full time examiner, part time a uh, t- instructor, Spaceland. I say part-time, I was still jumping almost every weekend for the DZ. And I was sitting in the loading area, and you know Matthew Peterson? Mm -hmm. He elbows his student and goes, hey, see that guy right there? And I don't think Matthew meant for me to hear it, but I did. I have really giant fucking ears. Uh, (laughs) He trained every single one of us. And he pointed, and I looked around, and there were six tandem instructors besides me. Uh, So I And I, I had trained every single one of those tandem instructors. And I sat back, and for me... That meant I got to help six other people enjoy a skydive, to help six other people enjoy a tandem. I got to share my passion and my love to people, showing them a way to communicate well. And I've not always been great at it. I still struggle at it. But trying to be exactly everything you've said, um, I think you're a little bit more accomplished at your age than I was at it. Um, I Nick has seen me grow a lot in my time. He, <laughs> man, both same hey, brother. Everybody, much love, man. Me. Much love you. Uh, and and to to be able to be that person to to those people, and they don't even know it. They don't need to know it, right? Right. No, dude. I I, I absolutely dig what you're saying, man. So I think uh, I saw a kindred spirit in you when I first saw you, <laughs> and, and the more I talk to you, and the more I listen to you, man. The more uh, I, I like you. You <laughs> can't leave now. We can't leave. Slashes tires. Let's, dude. I know how. 
Let's get him arrested so he can't legally leave the state. I'm just going to steal that yellow hat. I know he's not going anywhere without it. <laughs> oh, man. Put a tracker on that hat. <laughs> he's stuck here, man. I so, know where he's going. Yeah, you do. You should come but, visit. Hey, man. Those, <laughs> those friends that you're trying to help out, none of them are going to grow if you're going to be there holding their hand the whole time. <laughs> you got to leave the nest, baby. Man, baby bird's got to fly. <laughs> so does mama. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spread your wings. You're, you're holding them back by going back How there. How practiced That's just... are you right there? <laughs> you're a Pre- peacock. Pretty practiced. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, uh, it, it, it almost seems inevitable that like all the good ones leave and the douchebags stay. Um, and, and Which I is say, why you've been here since what year? <laughs> three, whatever. Um, uh, now, uh, over time, you get the good ones. But, you know, it's just if we get three people this winter, it's going to be the good guy who leaves and the guy we're like, oh, I wish he would leave stays. And now Alex is also here. And Ooh, Nick, man. I mean, Nick stayed so much, he became the manager. Yeah. <laughs> We've all made mistakes. <laughs> Man, uh, so I've heard you've been editing funsy stuff lately. I've edited a couple funsy things. Yeah, you enjoying that? Man, I, I love I love making fun video. You I know, I love that. making video that gives a person an emotional reaction of any sort. Like, I love to make a thing that makes somebody cry. I love to make a thing that makes somebody laugh. I love to make a thing that makes some somebody think or learn. I think that is all great. I was watching some... Uh just quick edits that you threw together recently, uh, videos, what? uh, SSK. Oh yeah. I got really in that good. filter today. Uh, okay. God, I'm so far behind. I got in that folder today. I think you posted it only a couple days ago. Yeah. 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 So, um, and, and to me, those were quick, lazy edits for you. Um, hundred percent. If you, um, if you take away my, fun. you take away my soundtrack. Uh-huh. I mean, so the, you, these videos will play at SSK's booth at PIA, mm-hmm. so it's very much just kind of kind of background noise that's skydiving, right? And they have a lot of uh, pretty talented athletes. Everybody shared a lot of cool footage, so I just kind of stacked the best parts of those clips next to each other. There's no, uh, you know, there's no goal of a thing to communicate other than hey, SSK uh, are, got are, some dope athletes. Dope athletes. They're they're well connected to great skydiving. Absolutely, and man. I think all of that footage says it all by itself. I think I could totally. Did you see it, either of the uh, edits I did for them that actually have music to them using similar footage from a few years ago? Is it in anywhere in that Monday thread? I don't think so. Okay, I I, I think I have because I see almost everything marketing video. I'll, I'll, I'll send you these. Other, yeah, they, like they have music. They're fun. There's energy. There's you know transitions and there's a, fluff, a more of a flow to it, and that's also fun. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like this, the, you have to know when the project that you're working on is taking the work that it requires to, to get it done. Yeah. Of like, man, I could go all, I could spend a month making those same videos and, uh, and do it different and add, you know, music that would, uh, hopefully not destroy anyone's sanity having to listen to it over and over. But, uh, man, I gave them what they asked for, and it's not uh, nothing I would put on a resume or in a portfolio, but... It's perfect for what's needed. It is, it's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, are you a rigger? No. Any desire to be a rigger? Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to know the gear really well, so I, I got that far, but I find myself on weather days wondering what the heck I should do, um, and I don't 
dislike packing parachutes in any way. So. Fucking hate packing parachutes. <laughs> if, if There's all, a couple things I don't like. You but. know what I love more than anything in the world? <laughs> Not packing your parachute. No, packers. So I don't have to pack my ears. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think that is the key to doing whatever it is you want to do in skydiving, of making use of the time the weather holds afford you. Yeah. You can do anything. Yeah, I've been really lazy about it lately, <laughs> but it's definitely something I'll hopefully learn in the future. I mean, Alex, you got your riggers ticket doing that, I bet? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was in a very similar situation, like didn't hate packing, um, had a bunch of weather, weather holds yeah. over the course of you know a couple of years on the drop zone. And uh, yeah, the loft is nice enough to give you a thing to do every now and then. And before you know it, man, you're like ready to test out. Yeah. yeah. But then you don't have to. That's me. <laughs> I'm ready to test out, but I just like, I did just have zero interest. I actually... Uh, packed reserves in a day and age where I don't think the laws were different. I think the clarity of the laws were different. So I was actually packing reserves being jumped. Yeah. Um, and my last, uh, my, my, my last save was, um, my own rig, but it was my wife. And I, 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 in that process, I thought, man, if something goes wrong on my wife's reserve, and they can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt there was nothing that could have been done by the rigger. That it is just one of those things. It will always haunt me. Always yeah. haunt me. And I really struggled with that immensely and then realized uh, my wife absolutely means the most the world to me. I'm, I'm uh, You haven't seen this or know us yet, but we are childhood. Not sweethearts. We are, we are childlike lovers. We were seventh grade. Um, and, and it would destroy me. But then I realized, well, if I pack for my buddy Nick, what if I pack for my for my buddy, I was going to call you Kyle. <laughs> it's your dog. Um, Jesus Christ, Dylan. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't even know what you were struggling with just yeah, then. Otherwise, either. I would have hopped in. But me ask too. him how yeah. often I do that to his name, too. Oh, it has. Yeah, it's oh, not going to bother me at all. Yeah. <laughs> man, it's so funny because sometimes new people will get like, you forgot my name. I'm like, no, Yo, bro, yeah, I don't know my I wife's name. I, I honestly it. thought it was a joke for a while until <laughs> I saw like you genuinely look in my eyes and just I could see that you had no fucking idea what my name was after knowing me for a decade. And it's like, oh yeah, I get it. I get it. I get Nick, it. that's it. Perfect. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, people who know me well, I call all of you dipshit at some point. If I don't remember, really you know, <laughs> you know, fucking dipshit. Like, yeah. It's it's uh. Ivy's very quickly gotten used to that because I've called everybody in the dipshit. We we work in an office with another company, um, and we work side by side regularly, and we joke around, we fuck off, it, it's a good time. And I'm like, yo, dipshit, and it, that's what everybody's now called in the office. So. <laughs> well, Josh Sherrard's off in there, so dipshit, hundred percent covering that dipshit base all the time. Man. Dude, the Burna Boys are. I love you, Good Josh. time. They're a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, the guys who work there at Burna. Burn is expanding. Josh is in the middle of super exciting stuff going on right now, cool. man. And uh, I'm, I'm just happy that LMB can uh, share a space with them. They're super, super great, grateful, uh, gracious. Um, and Josh has given us a lot of good opportunities. So we'll have fun with it. Um, you want to become a rigger or you want rigger knowledge? You said it's important to know your gear. Yeah, I, I think getting my riggers ticket at some point soon, hopefully, is, is a goal. Um, yeah. mainly because of the weather days, just looking for something else to do and make money. And, and it's just, um, I, f I feel like I know the gear quite well. Um, so it's more of a money thing and like keeping my hands busy and having to, you know, something to do on those off times. Do you already have a plan, a direction, a place to do this? 
a way uh, to do this? No, I don't. Yeah. Um, I think more than anything, I'm just, I haven't, I've been lazy, like I said, and haven't put the energy into it. So like two of the biggest ways that this happens out there is either an apprenticeship through a rigging loft who helps train you through the entire process and then recommends a DPRE that you go test out to. Mm -hmm. The other most common process is going to a school that is a DPRE and they train you and test you all through the process. Which one of those interests you more? I think uh, just being on site and kind of getting a little bit done here and there rather than going through a, a formal course, I think would be my best opportunity to do it. It, it, why best opportunity? What makes? Uh, I mean, I'm on the drop zone okay. uh, quite often, and uh, there's, I mean, there's riggers all over. I see Alex shaking his head. <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, yeah." Um, it, it, the opportunity, I think, is already there, and and it's, uh, I'll totally own up to it. But it, it's very much just the lack of like enthusiasm and going and actually doing it that that is a failure on my part. But. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's there's certainly a learning curve to it, even if you have some of that gear knowledge coming in. Yeah. Um, and I remember the exact feeling you're describing of like, man, I don't know if I'm ready to get kicked in the nuts today. Because <laughs> sometimes yeah, yeah. days are like that. The learning curve can be really steep. Um, but we seem to be in, in very similar positions, or at least I remember being in that position yeah. of just wanting to learn and utilize that time on the drop zone. Yeah. Um, and once you get over some of those, uh, some of those major humps, it, right. it, it gets easier and, and kind of like what you're saying, being able to, to utilize your time on the drop zone, even on those weather days, man, it's, it's totally worth it. Yeah. Um, another good thing about the route that you're talking about choosing is, um, when you learn through a loft like like Spaceland, for example, you're getting really practical knowledge. Like if you want to be a rigger on a drop zone, learning from a loft on a drop zone is a really good way to pick up all right. that knowledge. Not to say that if you go to a course, you're not going to get some of that same stuff, but you just don't get the same like real world hands on stuff. So, man, even if you're if you're taking your time, like what you're saying, like you absorb so much knowledge just by being up there. Okay. Um. So yeah, you just. <laughs> but I, I totally get the mindset <laughs> of like, man, I'm not feeling mentally ready for it. Yeah. But on the days where you can push through it, man, it's totally worth it. Cool. Yeah. Have you packed a reserve yet? Uh, yeah, I've I've packed a few reserves. How many? Uh, maybe ten or twelve, okay. and some uh, the seat seat reserves, big old rounds mm -hmm. yeah. too. Mm -hmm. um, nice. A few of those. I think I had enough to finish that one. There was like 15 or 20 of them. But, okay. Um, so you've got the experience. It's been quite oh, yeah. a long time, though. Um, you have tools? No. No? No. So just lack of pulling the trigger is yeah. all it really is. Yeah. There are a few tools up there in the loft. <laughs> There's one right behind my desk. <laughs> Damn it. You stole my fucking joke. God. <laughs> I'm not sorry one bit. It's all right. It's no. a good layup. <laughs> Thank you. Alley -oop. You know I can't dunk. Come on. Man, I'm hungry. You said dunk. I thought Dunkin' Donuts. I thought chocolate. Oh, I thought man. smushed ice cream. I thought stuff your face festival. I mean, you want to do another one? I got to go back to Star Pizza, first of all. That place is legit, right? Dude, man. I, I, I'm I, not going to. So I'm by far the furthest thing from an a, a expert on Chicago deep dish pizza. Um, but I've regularly been disappointed by Chicago deep dish pizza that wasn't from Chicago, and I was not even close to disappointed. I absolutely enjoyed the shit out of it. Man, if, if anyone has recommendations for legit pizza places in Houston, I'm down to go check it out. You Most think, particularly Chicago, man. Chicago deep dish pizza. If you have it, let me know. I mean, know. the good thing about Star is they do a great Chicago yeah, style and New York style. Yummy, yummy. And, and they do uh, wheat crust and white. They, they got a mix of stuff, and all of the, the options that I've had there are good. 
But man, if your pizza place is better than my pizza place, I'm not I'm not above it. I'll fucking go. Have you been to Grace Pizza and Shake yet? Yeah, I had a milkshake there. Oh man. A cinnamon roll milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck to my hand. <laughs> it was good enough to punch myself in the face with a microphone. Uh yeah, that's that's legit super uh super yummy. Um I don't I honestly don't remember the pizza that well cuz I was there for the fucking milkshake. So I was really upset. So Grace Pizza and Shakes existed from Grazia's. Grazia is a local restaurant. Uh, The owner is a former skydiver, a buddy of ours. Um, uh, He opened Grace Pizza and Shakes down in Manville and then eventually opened up Grace Market here in Perryland. And Grace Market was a sandwich shop. Fucking dope sandwich shop. Wagyu meatball sub that will just, man, dude, I'm. I'm drooling right now. Um, and eventually Grace Market shut down to be Grace Pizza and Shakes in Pearland. And the sandwiches are gone. Bum me out. They have sandwiches now too. The Wagyu meatball sub is back, dude. Like just the pizzas are good there. But look for the calzone. Look for the uh, Maddie G. Sammy. The Maddie G. Sammy is like a calzone but not quite a calzone. Whipped ricotta, jalapeno, basil. And I say jalapeno, not pickled. Fresh cut up jalapeno. What's this? Uh, what's this bread like? Uh, Wagyu meatball. <laughs> uh, picture, picture a, uh, a, a, a what did I say? It's not a calzone. So picture a calzone, but instead of the calzone being cut in half and just folded, picture that fold being cut and slit and kind of braided over the top of it. And being just a little bit more crusty than your average calzone, but it's a golden crust it's because cr- it's got a garlic are we talking butter. Like crusty on the top and still soft bread in the middle, or are you gonna sell me on some hard ass bun? No, no, fuck that hard ass shit. Okay, good. no, 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 we ain't fucking around. Oh, he would know. Um, it is. They're, they're sandwiches. The Maddie G. Sammy man is absolutely. I can tell you're gonna come up with a photo for me. Well, first of all, I had to show this young man over here. How old are you? Thirty-two. 32. Man, you're a young man. I like you. Um, I like it when people are older than me. Hey, did you know Alan and I are the same age? Our Packer, Alan? Yeah. I mean, I haven't ever thought to compare the two of you. Yeah. No, I, him him, and I uh, talk and chat a bit. I like him. He's a really good dude. Did he have caught like all your video game references that I missed? Uh, no, he would not have. <laughs> we, we, we definitely aren't from the same uh Lifestyles, but no, but like Atari and all that. When you're talking about those old consoles, yeah, I'm just man, holy cow, dude! How do I? You're trying to pick the best looking picture out of a bunch of great pictures. (laughs) This is what I see from over here. I can't stop. (laughs) That's why. Have you seen the uh, birthday cake uh, or the birthday shake? (laughs) It's got fireworks. Oh yes, (laughs) Felix got that. I have a picture of Felix eating that shake. Yeah, no shit. The thing's got fireworks in it, man. It really, really does. Um, are you a foodie? A little bit. A yeah. little bit. Man, oh, look at that. Oh, God damn. Look at that pizza. Okay. That is yeah. the pizza version <laughs> of the Maddie G. Sam. Yeah, well, come on. Don't don't hold out on a brother. Let me see that thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, it looks okay. It looks like I would try it. Yeah. Um, but we also have a, uh, a grown-up dinner we, we are owed. Is that happening? Uh, after I come back from Arizona. When is that? Uh, uh, mid-March. Okay. You come back, uh, uh, I get back like a week after you get back from PIA. You go from PIA here, I go from PIA to Arizona. Okay, but yeah. after Arizona, all right. I should be in place for a couple months. You know what I love? 
What? Be- being on a diet. You guys want to talk about diets? Fuck diets. I fucking. <laughs> I feel like everyone in the world must hate hearing me talk about food because it's either two things. I'm either talking about food like it's pornography, like this right now. Like, man, I could, <laughs> I could talk about food forever. Or it's like, hey, did I tell you what sort of diet I'm on? There's all this stuff I don't eat. I'm a fucking idiot. Do you know like that that <laughs> desperate, lonely housewife who goes and takes tennis lessons and has every other fucking powered diet that's in the magazine? I'm yeah. that lady. Who does that? <laughs> I can wear that lady. <laughs> and I have that bitch's stretchy pants. What's up? I say he wears the tights 100%. We ordered Lululemon for PIA and all the women and Nick got leggings. <laughs> did, did, did they really? Oh, no <laughs> shit. I, I, asked, I, I asked for leggings. I was like, did I whole fucking wear the leggings i get that you probably don't want to endorse that particular type of strangeness but uh yeah i gotta wear men's pants apparently yeah <laughs> i mean some will argue that they're men's pants because i have friends who make fun of them and say they're women's pants uh and they only make fun of them once they know they're lululemon till they know they're lululemon I'm like yo those are pretty nice pants bro i'm like yeah they're lulu what they're, they're good pants <laughs> you know i think it might be just saying yeah they're lulu yeah I think you said, yeah, Lululemon makes them. Yeah, yeah. I think you get made fun of less. But if, (laughs) yeah, hit nice pants. Oh, they're Lulu. Lulu. (laughs) I don't say that. I think I would, I'd make a remark too. I I don't say that, but yeah. It's, uh, man, they're comfy. They're stretchy. They're Lulu. They're Lulu. They're comfy. Dude, that's a tagline right there. You should sell that shit to them. uh, They're comfy. They're stretchy. They're Lulu. I got all your PIA clothing today. You want me to model it for you? No. Not at all. Uh, also got uh, shirts for videos. So anyways, Rigger, <laughs> have you ever gone to the symposium? Are you familiar with the symposium? No. Tell me about the symposium. Um, so at this point, anybody who listens to the show, sorry, you have to hear it again. Um, I, I present this to any skydiver who's looking for a career, a future in our sport. Uh, PIA, you know who they are? No. Parachute Industry Association. Okay. Voluntary body, uh, voluntary organization wherein uh, manufacturers all work together to have a USPA to speak for them, so to speak. Okay. Uh, PIA, many, many manufacturers are mili- uh, members and affiliates of PIA. They do the symposium every two years, 21, 23, 25, 27. Uh-huh. Uh, and it is five days long. Uh, Reno. Reno, exactly. Reno. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was, uh, last one that was held was Dallas 2019, you know, COVID, Uh the other one. Uh, Man, I've said since I've been going to them, if you want to have a future career, let's be real, this is a dead-end sport for most people. This is a dead-end job for most people. And if you're just going to be a tandem instructor the rest of your life and that's something that you enjoy and you you look forward to doing, it's, it's absolutely there for you. But if you want something else, there's limitations. Business, marketing, industry, that's where it goes to. And the connections and networking you make at PIA, the path paths that are open to you, and this is why I suggest it to you, you seem like you are looking for every opportunity to learn and every opportunity to learn what you want. Like, I don't even know what I want to learn. Like, man, what, 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 what is, <laughs> what's out there? there? Uh, the symposium's always been good, uh, but this year, and then of course, so it'll be uh, again the same, I believe, in 2025. The seminars they are they put on are wonderful, uh, especially for experience. It used to be mainly for riggers, now for experienced jumpers. Okay, so I, I would say if you ever get a chance, and, and Nick hates that I tell his staff this because now you get to leave the drop zone with them. Um, if you ever had a chance to go to a PIA, I recommend going. It's worth two or three day visit. It's worth paying a hundred dollars a day to hear the seminars. I'll walk around the expo floor and meeting your heroes. Right. I, I sat there and listened to Bill Booth and, and 
and what's his name, uh, John LeBlanc, talk about pilot shoot design together just as a fly on the wall. I'm like, oh, that's so cool, man. <laughs> uh, wicked smart people. So recommend checking it out. Cool. Um, I think it's something you would, uh, especially the seminars, I think you would really uh, get engrossed by them. Cool. So, thank you. Are you planning on attending seminars while you're there? Uh, I didn't plan on doing anything other than uh, being a man with camera. Perfect. That's it. Um, Perfect. We need but that. even even walking, you know, I haven't done any seminars there. I've only been once when it was in Dallas just because it was so close. And, and you were there for a day? Yeah, but it was super entertaining. I didn't find myself being bored. There's plenty of people uh, from, you know, all the different manufacturers, everybody that you've ever seen in a magazine or on a YouTube video, like all the faces are there. And uh, everyone is still keen to talk about skydiving. There's a much larger military presence than I expected there to be. But, uh, man, it was cool. And there was what, uh, whose booth stands out to you the most? Um, man, every year it's a little bit different. But that is a contest as part of the event, right? Yeah. So, booth of the year, uh, I will say SSK is pushing hard and pushing strong to win booth of the year this year. Um, and I've seen the booth design. I've actually got to, uh, be part of it. I think Nick is being, being part of it now as well. And, uh, dude, I, th- I think they have a very strong shot. What's going to be very interesting is LMB's booth is directly next to SSK slash Cypress. They share a booth. Uh, they're side by side and you will see probably the simplest and the most complex booth side by side. We have, uh, they're 10 foot by 10 foot squares. Mm-hmm. We have 10 of them. So 20 by 50. And we have like patio furniture at each end, like the little corner units, a big white table in the center, like where the Apple store and no walls, no obstructions, nothing else. It's a big open floor plan. Uh, but the idea is where town hall, you walk into our booth and you go, Oh, Hey, look, there's Dylan Bell. I want to talk to him. But he's talking, well, I'll wait here. Everybody you can see not only around our booth, but you can see for booths past us. So people, it's a gathering place. It's a town hall and people just stop there and congregate there. And that's perfect for us. We, cool. we, we like it. So um, I've heard people attack the design and, and attack the thoughts. And when they hear that, they're like, oh, my like, yeah, it's not just a cheap design. It's a simple design. It's actually a thoughtful design. Ikea. Yeah. Anything, anything model after the Apple store? The whole Good. thing. The whole thing's about. Yeah. And you've oh. been there. We're the Apple store. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You Great. get to be a genius this time. Uh, yeah, don't ask me to say anything smart. As long as I just can hide behind a camera and pretend to know what's <laughs> happening, I think I'll do pretty well. Uh, right. People have come up to us in the L&B booth and like, hey, man, will you fix my phone? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I still think it's funny because it really it's. I weird. broke my phone that I bought six years ago. Can I have a free one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a sponsorship. Yeah. The amount of people who ask for free replacements for devices that have been broken for 10 years or more. Like, I, man, I bought this device 12 years ago. It served me a great life. I have several thousand jumps on it. And it's broken. Can you please replace it? So personally, I'm not even going to speak for the company. I'm going to speak as a person. If I bought a product from a company that lasted that long and I got that much great juice out of, I would be so looking forward to buying another one to reward them with the money that right. they earned by building something that I never had to replace. Um, hey, my device broke. I bought it six months ago. <laughs> sure, we should probably fix that. Right. Hey, my device broke because I washed it in my washing machine. Will you replace it? Is, is I actually a, washed my altimeter LMB yeah. and it's still fine. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it. Uh, <laughs> it took quite a while to fix that one. What model? Which uh, 
Viso Aries? Uh, Viso 2 Plus. Yeah. Wow, you yeah. washed it and it survived. Yeah, luckily I had a, about a week-long vacation. This was uh, not this winter, but the last one. I had a vacation to go see family, and it was I threw all my clothes in to wash them, yes. hopped uh, on the airplane, and one of my buddies was like, yo, and pulled it out of the washer. I hadn't made the piles. So he threw it in rice, and about a week and a half later, I got in the plane, and it was fine. So. <laughs> And that's your personal area visa still? Yeah, I still use it. How long ago did you wash it? A year and a half ago. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's awesome. I love <laughs> hearing it. That, that's awesome. Would not recommend, though. <laughs> so technically, you're supposed to replace the air filter if it's been submerged. Okay. Didn't know so, that. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, you, can, you cannot buy the air filter replacement kit online right now. Okay. I was going to say you can't, but I was a complete liar. Um, you said rigor is one of your goals. Yeah. What else goals do you have? Uh, I want to fly the planes at some point. I don't know if I necessarily want to fly them for a bunch of skydivers, but flying around in airplanes is, you know, all of us love it, but it doesn't scare me as much as some will admit to. Have you flown at all? Uh, a little bit. Um, maybe like an hour and a half total. Okay. Uh, a little 182. Okay. Was this like at a, at a drop zone? Uh, one of my, it was on the same airport that I got licensed at and everything, but uh, separate entity, but they, that's like an actual flight school there. Yeah, nothing to do with skydivers. Yeah, I've, I've had this this thought for maybe like the last year now. If I want to go, they call that a discovery flight. Yes, that that's I wanted to it's go the try cheapest it. way. I want to go try it with someone who doesn't know me, doesn't know anything about me, doesn't feel obligated to to show me any particular part of it because of what they think my interest right, might be right. in, in aviation. Yeah, but uh, what what was your first flight experience like? Uh, it was awesome. The the clouds, um, there was maybe two or three different layers of them, and we just kind of cruised in between each each one of those layers and flew out to a rock formation out in Idaho that I really like and made our way back. Um, it, I mean, it's always blowing my mind how much quicker it is than driving, and I know it sounds really funny, but like you get to see the the earth from above, which is one of my favorite things. And then just the amount of time that it, it takes to get to a place is unbelievable when you're used to being stuck on the ground all the time. So, well, What do you, uh, what do you think is going to make you change your mind about uh, pursuing flight stuff over skydiving stuff? I feel like those are two a little bit different worlds. Um, I mean, I don't see why I can't do both, I guess. Well, I guess maybe I'm generalizing with the people that I've seen complete careers as skydiving instructors. It seems like that's like a, not a sign that someone's finishing in skydiving, but it's usually once someone's really, really well established as a skydiving instructor that they start to make that leap to to being a pilot. Okay. It's one of the future careers. Right. Pilot, rigger, manager, asshole. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) That's me. I can't can't think of my job. Examiner. But you said not to fly the skydivers. Uh, not necessarily. You think um, maybe just a hobby, or you think that uh, right? Like if it's uh, you know if it's too cloudy to jump over the drop zone, I still kind of want to get up in the air, and um, it seems kind of fun just hopping from airport to airport, having breakfast and then lunch. Fifty dollar burgers. You know, <laughs> you can bring a lunch and watch the planes come in. Still. Man, I uh, I've gotten to fly cross country with quite a few friends in one eighty twos and small other type of planes because they were just going on trips and like, hey, you want to hop and be in a small DZs? I'm sure Moab, you've done similar. And 
man, some of the places they've flown me to and we've just stopped and randomly chilled and had a picnic or yeah. ate at the small, like, yo, I'm just going to have a Frito pie from this little shit shack. But man, it sure is a cool place to have one. Yeah. yeah. So it, it is nice. Have you thought, so you say you wanted a discovery flight. Have you mm. thought about flying in general or you just? Yeah, baby. I, I'm, uh, I have enough of an interest to explore if there's more of an interest. But I don't think, just like Dylan, I don't know that I have an interest in flying jumpers as much as I just, I think it's cool to be up in the air. Yeah. And uh, man, the last time I flew an airplane was the Otter. I had ridden right seat in a trail plane on a formation load. And everybody got out and Eric was the pilot and he goes, follow Jason. Jason's flying the lead plane. And I go, I was fucking terrified. So cool. yeah. and he, he said, uh, I got the rudders, just just follow him. And uh, man, like, it's same thing with what you're saying, like weaving through the clouds Man, it feels uh, like my parachute, but it does a lot of cool stuff that my parachute doesn't do. Yeah. I think that the excitement of landing a parachute, to me, that's still way cool. Like the visual and the sensation of it was way cooler than uh, I think landing most airplanes would yeah. be. Like landing, when you're landing in the otter, it still feels like you're way higher than you're supposed to be because you've got the height of the landing gear and the angle of the, the nose being pitched up for the flare. I would most certainly slam that landing gear into the ground if you were asking me to, to time it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the visual is just not uh, landing my parachute's way more exciting than yeah. that. But uh, man, my parachute has a very it's got a much shorter lifespan as far right, as the time limited. I could spend using it. Yeah. But I thought uh, you know, Stephen has really got me intrigued. Uh, Stephen Boyd in uh, paramotoring. Yeah. That, that seems like, like that, that could be a really great combination of the, the two things that interest me. Yeah. But uh, that's a, another expensive hobby that I just don't know. So I've always wanted to learn to fly. I want my pilot's license. But I will not stay current because I can't afford to rent, lease, or buy a plane. Now, I could, but my choice of hobbies and my choice of investments say I can't afford to to do that with a plane. So I'm like, why would I get my pilot's license just to never really use it? Um, I have plenty of flying experiences in my life. So I'm I'm with you. I'm like, I don't know. Is that similar for you to why you don't know if you would fly much or? No, I don't think about the money very much. No. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's an expensive hobby, but. Yeah, so was skydiving when you all started, right? You yeah. Find, you find a way to make it work. Yeah. You do, man. You, you, <laughs> you do. Lots of credit card debt. And holy cow, it took me years to get out of it. That's how my skydiving career started. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think it, I, I walked a similar path. I think most of us have walked. I don't think Alex did, did you? You just lived in poverty. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I sold my car, well, my truck that I had back home to pay for a in a week. Um, and then I was with somebody at the time who had a van, so I stayed there, and then that ended. So the and you drop murdered zone. that person, and that's why you have a van. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, but the, the drop zone was kind enough to let me live in a tent and just make it work until I bought a van of my own, and yeah, just kept And kept then COVID building. happened. Man, I was, COVID <laughs> happened, and then I was Katie sure you, happened. You Katie showed has up a house. in the van. You were in no. a tent before mm-hmm. the van? No, so I was borrowing a truck at the time. Um, it wasn't even a truck that I sold to get my license. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it, I just made it work. Eventually the truck went away and I had nothing but the, uh, you know, the tent and the occasional bunk bunkhouse stay. And Where was like, your tent? Behind hangar too? Yeah. Until, well, I went through a couple of tents. I don't know if people care, but like there's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, when, I care. There's a yeah. whole thing. Like tents are not made as long-term structures. Like yurts work. Like the thing that Blair Smith had for a long time. And that's what like, I was going to ask is if you had 
Yeah, but I never had the money for it. <laughs> you were, so I just keep buying like $50 tent after $50 tent. And it, like the, the sun eats away at nylon. We're all familiar with that. And it would snap like the rain fly and like the rest of the fabric of the tent. And then the poles would snap. And there were times where I would just take like electrical tape and like sticks and like wrap it around tent poles to make it work. <laughs> so there was like a whole process, man, of me just like living for as cheap as possible so I could just keep keep doing jumping things, yeah. you know? The rest of us <laughs> went in debt. Yeah, well, I, yeah. Luckily <laughs> enough, there wasn't any debt involved, but there was a lot of like uncomfortable living situations yeah. for sure. Like, like a windstorm would come and like blow the tent away, and then it would rain on top of that. So now all of your stuff is sitting in a puddle. Like, I should have just went into debt, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I did it like the dumbest, like hardest way possible. <laughs> but man, you've got a story. You've got a life. Yeah, it was man. It, I really look back on those moments fondly. And you, you actually brought something up earlier, Dylan. Um, when you were uh, just showing up to, was it Z Hills for the first time and you saw uh-huh. High Performance Canopies landing? Yeah. I had that moment at Spaceland as well of like, dude, this is my backyard and I get to watch yeah, this shit all day. Like, dude, I'm in. Feeling. Yeah. yeah. Like, you feel so so involved, so connected, and it's so cool just being able to like call that your living situation. It's like, yeah, I, I'll deal with all the struggle and, and figure it out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Set up that new tent a little bit closer to the bunkhouse. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there was like there's this like little weird pocket behind hangar two that you can like kind of avoid some of the wind, but you're always gonna have sun. So I was like strategically picking spots. <laughs> but eventually like everything's gonna get fucked anyways, just because you're out in the elements, you know. It's just it's not made to last. Were you around as a student? Did you see when that your city was at its glory? Um no. So when I first got there. Um, there was like one tent with with Joey Casey. I don't know if you guys remember. Yes. So that's how he and I got yeah. really close. And then that was less of a thing. Um, and right around, I think it was 2019 is when like Elvin and, and the Australian guys showed up. And I was like, okay, cool. I finally have neighbors. <laughs> but for a while there, it was like just me back there. <laughs> and then finally, uh, I think it was, yeah, 2019, all these people started showing up. And it felt like more of a tent city and and less of me just being homeless back there. <laughs> I, I feel like it's kind of if you're if you're behind the hangar too again. Now you're the homeless guy. Yeah, <laughs> seems seem like we went through a good phase, and I think maybe it's coming back. You know, I think with the I don't I haven't seen anything back there. I I, I think most, as, as the jump package returns, as the economy uh, finishes this little uh, uh, whatever you call it is happening right now, a little bump in the road. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see. I think we'll see another tent city back there. Yeah, I mean it would be cool. <laughs> Is there a jump package crew this year? There's a couple dudes, an, an Aussie guy and a gentleman from Belgium. Belgium. Yep. I heard both their names. Heath Alex. and Antoine. Heath and Antoine. Mm-hmm. So you actually had mentioned Antoine to me at some point for uh, in a conversation, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you know Antoine, the really tall, skinny guy. Yeah. I, yep. th- I thought you were talking about him, and, and just without giving away context, in the context of that conversation, I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I got con- I confused the two of them, too. I thought he was the one who's shown up on the package until the other Antoine showed up. And you're like, you're not Antoine, you're Antoine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... You uh, think about rigging. You're thinking about flying. What else are you? What What else do you see in your future of this skydiving world? I think you got me. Uh. <laughs> so then, do you see skydiving always being part of your life professionally? Yeah, I think so. I so the drop zone that I came from, we didn't we talked a little bit about it, but it. In Idaho, there's there's a couple of options to skydive, and I love that place. So eventually, I would like to 
probably start something out there that people can go and learn from. Um, and I'd like them to be able to walk away without being kind of behind the curve. Right. So when I got to Florida, there was all these things going on that I had no clue even existed. And in order to get to any place that kind of would have had those skills that I was looking at, it would be like an eight to 12 hour drive from Boise. Um, so I think it'd be really cool to eventually start something there that you can, you know, start at zero jumps and go to 25. You can do your tandem still, uh, but you could also, you know, learn how to do an angle properly or, um, you know, fly a high performance wing and, and not have to feel like you're behind the curve all of the time. Are you familiar with Cecily? Uh, young lady from Lexington, short haircut typically. Yeah, I, I, she came out and did some canopy coaching with you. Yeah. Maybe that's two years ago now? Uh, yeah, her, uh, so uh, a guy named, uh, gosh, dang it, Moore, David Moore. David Moore is, owns Lexington Skydiving here in Texas. And once upon a time, if you came from Lexington Skydiving, all the alarms went off on our heads. Ooh, whoa, right. this guy's going to scare the shit out of me. And David Moore grew up in that environment. And he, so, so I, I hate seeing what so many of his predecessors did because so many of his predecessors came here, trained here, wanted to learn different things and be better. And in their process, they would shit on the way the owner would do things. They would talk down. They would, they would blah, 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 blah. And David did what you just did. David said, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I do it better? And it was interesting because the lady who owned Lexington would resist all these other people trying to influence her in things that I think were good things, but I also think they were doing it in very poor ways. David just did what you said, man. I'm just, what can I do to be better? And this lady ended up selling it. And I'm not saying her name because I have a lot of respect for her. She She's had her problems, but I don't want uh, to think ill, Ill of her. Uh, she chose David to be able to buy her drops and because she trusted the decisions he was going to make. And man, people come from that drop zone today and I love it. It tickles me because they come from this little 182 place where you sometimes have to dodge a donkey on landing. Like, you know, I couldn't remember if it was donkeys or llamas. Uh, both, dude. It's, yeah, it's, you can't remember because they have llamas as well, man. Um, but dude, it, it we, right now I'm about to coach a guy with uh, 350 jumps who was working on 270s on a canopy, and typically when somebody tells me they're at those jump numbers and doing that, I'm like, "Wow, you're an idiot!" And this kid was talking to me, and I'm like, "Man, I really like the word you're saying. Talk to me more. Talk to me more." And said and done, I, I'm impressed with the mindset he has, and and part of it I'll give him credit. He it's his mindset. But part of it is is Cecily and David are instilling those mindsets so they don't feel behind, so they know how to go to places. They know, like, maybe they're not getting the best angle coaching or canopy coaching from me, but when they go to a place, they know how to get into it. They understand. I'm laying that foundation so they can go places and comfortably learn what they can't learn here. Yeah. I, I love hearing that, man. I love the, that you're not just wanting to give back, but you're taking it all the way back to your roots. You're only going to be open four months a year. <laughs> <laughs> is that drop zone still there? Uh, it is, as far as I know. But I've I've uh, definitely heard rumors of like the master rigger that does all their work there. He sold his equipment and stuff, and they were getting older when I first started. So I'm not sure if they'll be around much longer. What was the name of the DZ again? Sky Down. Sky Down. Okay. Yeah. Um, man. There's so many little DZs out there that you just don't even know exist. 
And uh, I would love to say I've heard of it, but I, I don't think I have. Yeah. Now I'm curious. Now I want to look it up. Yeah. So um, what year did you make your first jump? I know you told me. I about think it. 2011, I believe. That's right. Yeah. I think it's been a lot of alcohol since then. Oh, tons. Tons. <laughs> Are you a drinker? Uh, I drink, yeah. Okay, casually? Yeah, I'd say casually. Okay. I mean, if with with jumpers, it's not uncommon, just excessively. Yeah. So, man, I really appreciate you sharing your time. Uh, I appreciate you coming and hang out with us. Uh, back to it, man. Just mad, mad respect for who you are. And I just wanted people to get a chance to get to know you. And, and I wanted to do the same. Uh, there are a lot of young jumpers out there. There's a lot of young instructors out there. There's a lot of people in places where they are struggling, whether it's skill, whether it's socially, whether it's in the place they are in the sport and they just don't know what they're going to do next, even to a point they might be quitting. What advice would you give them? I'd say keep after it and uh, keep an open mind. You don't really know who's going to teach you that one little bit of information that's going to come in handy, but if you keep an open mind, I think you, you'll learn it, hopefully. Man, and change environments. Man, you, you change scenes and holy shit, things were a new opportunity. And I mean that not to go to a big place, but man, Spacelanders, go check out someplace different. Parasites, uh, go check Parasites? out. Parasites? Oh, I haven't heard <laughs> yeah, that before. I haven't either. Yeah, yeah, Parasites. Uh, <laughs> check out, and I don't know how well that's known in skydiving, but as somebody who jumped at Elsinore for years, it was it was Parasites. Um, and it wasn't meant parasitically. It was just meant that's the easiest way to yeah, say yeah, it. Parasites, yeah, Parasites. I get it. <laughs> um, uh, man, go, go, go see something different. Um, because there are so many great minds at the biggest DZs, at the smallest DZs. Uh, there are so many great things to learn every place. So enjoy it, man. I, I love the travel. I love your experiences. Uh, any last things you want to share with people? I don't think so. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, man. Midget, you got anything? Man, I don't think that I'm legally a midget. But what is that? But your penis is. That, that is the damn truth. <laughs> no, I got nothing. I got shit. Um, Asian, I can't say anything else. White boy, you know how to play that funky music. I'm on it. You got anything else going on, buddy? <laughs> no, I was just looking up uh, legal midget height. <laughs> so it's going to be a second. Do you want to know what it is? Uh, uh, it let me, can Nick I guess? Law. Hold on. I want to yeah, guess. Take, take I want to guess. guess. Just take Someone it. who is legally a midget, I bet, is uh, shorter than f- like four or five. Four eleven. Four nine, Dylan was the close. Well, you both were four ten. Four ten. Oh. You, you guys split the difference. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so taller. I'm taller than that. Yeah. Illegal midget. Nicole right Black, here. you <laughs> are a midget. <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo! Okay. Guys and gals, man, uh, we will be gone just for a couple weeks. I know we've had a good streak. We're back at it. We will be back again soon. Uh, sorry, I just have some shit. I'm on the road. We're really busy, but I promise you, we'll be back and uh, catch up with you guys soon. Dylan, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Nick. You're an asshole. I don't think that's true. Are you ready to take my sister on a tandem skydive? Sure. I think my sister might be visiting this summer. (laughs) Okay. I mean, she doesn't know she's going on a tandem skydive with me yet, but she does now. You you want me to take her? You want to be your tandem instructor? I I think, uh, yes, absolutely. I I don't think you want that. I, I do because she's actually a horrible tandem student. I've taken her and I want to see you go for the ride <laughs> of your life. She swims like an Olympian, bro. Michael Phelps. Well, I don't swim at all. Maybe we'll balance each other out. Maybe. Till then, see you guys later. Word. Later. <laughs>